from Design. My name is Branko Melenik and today we are t speaking with recently retired Principal of Architectus, Ross Stiles. With a career spanning almost 50 years, 31 of them in Architectus, Stiles is in the rare position of being able to describe both the recent history of design and how that history will affect the future of architectural style in this country. As a Director of Architectus, Stiles has had an active role in, de in the developing the strategic direction of the business in addition to leading multiple project teams. With a career that also covered interna the international arena, Stiles is one person who should be able to predict where architecture and the profession is heading. So welcome to Talking Architecture and Design, Ross Stiles. Thanks, Branko. Pleased to be here. Okay. Um, why did you decide to become an architect? I've noticed from your from your actual qualification, you took, uh, I wouldn't say a circuitous route, but certainly it wasn't a di totally direct route. It was direct, but it was a bit slow. Um, I wanted to be an architect since I was about 12. Um, I just thought it was something that attracted me. It was something that um, I thought as a career, I mean, even at that age, I thought it was a career that you could be doing something that had a direct impact on people. Um, you know, rather than, you know, with career advising at high school, they said, oh, you know, you're very good at maths and all this sort of simplicity stuff. And you could be an actuary or, you know, <laughs> an accountant and all this sort of stuff. Um, but really, I was more interested in the social side of life. And... Um, I thought architecture seemed to be able to provide a legacy. Um, if you um, contributed um, good work, um, you, could you could make a difference in society. So at a quite age, I was quite attracted to that idea of having something physically that you could, um, that you could build or you could create, um, and perhaps over time you could build up a bit of a portfolio that made a difference uh, to people's lives. Okay. Um, so let's get a bit more practical. Mm. What part of, of the project or the project process do you uh, prefer or excites you the most? Well, I'm probably more um, a generalist. I had a good design background you know, academically at university and stuff. But um, I, you, you mentioned about it was a bit circuitous um, to get there. Um, I couldn't go to university full-time. I didn't have a family income situation that would allow that. But I was very fortunate. Um, I saw a, a path. Um, I applied for a, um, a, a, tu uh, a um, scholarship with the Government Architects Office, public, which was a part of the Public Works at the time. And the Public Works Department, the Government Architects Office in particular, was a wonderful um, place to be. Um, probably had about 300 architects. The Public Works designed basically all the major public buildings, in including hospitals, schools, special projects. Um, there was a section for special projects, Andrew Anderson, Colin Stills and some of these wonderful architects were there and uh, I was fortunate to get a scholarship um, to go part-time to university and work during the day. So um, uh, I was a bit unlucky. The year I started it went from a six-year course at part-time to an eight-year course oh, wow. <laughs> which was six years part-time and two years full-time. So um, that's what I sort of locked into at New South Wales University. So that's why um, it took me a long time but on the other hand uh, I think it was a wonderful um, way to be introduced into architecture because um, during the day I was in this wonderful office um, doing um, good projects, it's mostly in the school section but you're in that environment of, of other projects around the place um, and, and I went to university either in one afternoon and, and uh, one afternoon and two nights or a, a day and three nights I think it was um, and uh, the last two years was a couple of years full time so that was a wonderful way to loosen up towards the end um, but it gave me a good um, basis and, and 
practical thinking because you were in the office, you were working on projects, you weren't just um, at university theorising about things and playing around. So um, it, it was an introduction to me to the realities of architecture and not the business side because it was government, but the, um, the, bureau the bureaucracy of the government was another way um, of learning about process. Um, and because you're in the government, there's a lot of QA and, and, um, and systems and things like that. So you do learn to be a little bit methodical and that sort of suited my nature. And then the last couple of years of university, um, I could let free and, and do design work and things like that that you know you probably couldn't get away with, with later when you, when you graduated. So it was a chance to free up after working in an office and going six years part-time. I think when we started we had 45 students part-time and I think there's three or four of us um, still <laughs> going at the end of that period, wow. at the end of eight years. It's quite a, a demand on your private life as well. Mm. I think you're the first person I've ever heard say that... Uh bureaucracy was uh, good for them? Uh, I mean, you can learn from it and you can take from it what you want and then you can discard, um, you know, the inefficiencies of it um, as you see fit. Okay, speaking of learning and teaching, you, you've also... Um, completed two international studios um, from um, your your bio, I believe. Mm. Um, one in China and the other in the Middle East. Um, and you've travelled over the regions, uh, over those regions past yeah. 15 years. Um, what, from your experience, could did you provide to them and what did you learn from them? Mm. I think um, how I got into that was, well, I, I studied, after I finished studying here, I, I actually went to the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, um, and I, um, I think for any young architect, that's a wonderful thing to do to, to travel overseas. Obviously, we all do it. We're Australians. We all, and we're architects. We always go to Europe or Asia or whatever. But I actually went to study, and um, I was I was on some scholarships, and I was able to work using those scholarships. One was a U.S. government um, Fulbright grant, so that allowed me to legally work, and I was able to work at Mitchell Jurgler Architects, which was a absolutely wonderful um, design practice. Um, when I was there in 19, well, I went to uni late eight, late 70s, but um, 1980, um, they won the Parliament House competition um, okay. in, in for Canberra, and uh, it was an absolutely joyous um, win. win. Yeah. <laughs> but they had a lot of lovely projects, um, probably not as generally as large as that, um, but it was a real design practice, and I learnt a lot. Um, they were totally committed to design. It was a wonderful place to be. So when I came back and I joined um, Travis Partners, which became Travis McEwen Group, and, and probably you know ten or twelve years ago became Architectus, um, there were some opportunities where we wanted to expand the business. Um, and as a director, I um, took the opportunity to go to the Middle East, um, and that was uh, really bad timing because uh, that was 2008, and uh, about three weeks after I got there, we had some practice uh, projects lined up, contracts signed, um, the GF GFC hit about three weeks after, and it was August 2008. Um, so I stayed there for about nine months, but I took that opportunity because I was attracted to the idea of working outside my comfort zone. Um, mm -hmm. It was an opportunity to grow, to grow our firm because a lot of good Australian architectural firms were in the Middle East already. Um, I'd already been doing um, all our work in China, um, 
since 2000, which I did for about 15 years till 2015 when I shut the office down there. Um, so I'd already been working in China, taking that opportunity to do work in an unusual um, environment, uh, an unknown environment. When I went there in 2000, uh, there weren't many architects there, foreign architects, and the Chinese clients were willing to pay reasonable fees. They w wanted good ideas. Um, so mainly in the architectural area we started and later on it moved into city planning and urban design. But um, I'd already been doing that for seven or eight years when this opportunity came up in uh, the Middle East. So I went to the Middle East. Um, I was there nine months because yeah, everything crashed. You know, all the projects we had lined up um, deteriorated. Um, we did a couple of projects there, but it was actually quite good. We could get out easily because we weren't deeply embedded like some of the other um, Australian firms and, and um, British firms, etc. So I went back to do more work in China um, and, uh, you know, I did a lot of travelling. I think I did about 100 trips to China wow. um, in that, that period, um, usually, you know, a few days to a week, um, 10 days, but um, it was a lot of travelling. Obviously a lot of, uh, I had a family by then, a couple of little boys, so it was quite a, um, a strain on the family, but um, I've got a very understanding partner <laughs> and, uh, we, you know, that was quite, quite she was very supportive so it was quite good. In fact, in fourteen, fifteen, she, um, well, my kids were grown up; they're in their thirties now. But uh, she, she went with me there for a year to work, you know, full time in China. Oh um, wow! So you know, so basically, I think um, what I'm getting to is the overseas opportunities. I would suggest that anybody grabs them if they arise. Um, you can learn a lot. It's interesting um, linguistically, environmentally. Um, they obviously each country works in different ways in terms of contracts and. Uh, expectations level of service things like that so um, it's all it's all very uh, daunting sometimes um, and challenging but if you're smart and you sort of think it through sensitively and you make sure you're aware of the culture um, uh, particularly in the business culture not just the private culture um, it can be a very wonderful experience working overseas beats uh, uh, waiting waiting tables in London you know, I think. <laughs> Thirty-one years. Yeah. So I started when I came back from uh, from Philadelphia, um, uh, nineteen eighty-seven, and um, it was a very active time, nineteen eighty-seven. Um, particularly if you had some like overseas experience or qualifications, um, there was a lot of work on. Um, I interviewed at probably six or seven firms, and just about anybody you know wanted anybody who could hold a pencil at the time in eighty-seven. It was quite active, um, but if you were you know reasonably skilled. Um, there was opportunities offered. Um, um, I remember interviewed with Kenny Ma um, before he became head of, of Hassel, um, and that was very tempting. Um, but I went to join Travis Partners, and one of the reasons why Travis is a, is a good tier two commercial firm. Um, but one of the, when I was studying over at University of Pennsylvania, one of the there was an Australian guy there studying as well in city planning, Michael Harrison. And um, he's a director of architectus, um, and um, we became very good friends. Um, he went working around the states for a while, and um, then came and he was at Travis Partners, and he said, "I'll oh, you know come and work here because uh, 
Um, Richard Travis was a, a terrific business guy. Rick McEwen, um, who was the managing director, was uh, very good on the practice side, but they, neither of them were design-oriented mm -hmm. sort of people. So Michael said, look, you can do pretty good design. You can, As long as it's good, you can sort of not, not use the term get away with, but you can do... Um, there's opportunities there for you to, to do anything. So I thought that was a good idea, and it was nice to work with Michael, and he's probably one of my best mates in life. Um, still a director there and highly regarded in the planning urban design field. He runs the practice, uh, that practice side of things. So um, that was a, an attraction on a personal side. So in 87, I started working there, and, and term, it's a two-way street, and your question's a good one. Um, I think in first what I got out of architectures over 31 years is uh, I think it's um, it's been a wonderful journey. Um, we've built the firm, particularly over the last 10 years or so, from being a good tier two architecture firm, doing responsible, you know, good quality work, servicing clients well. We used to have a Q QS section, we had a landscape section, we had all this sort of stuff, heritage. Um, but, but we've, um, over the last 10 years, when Richard Travis retired, um, and Rick, McE Rick McEwen um, left at the same time. It was Mc uh, Travis McEwen at that stage. Um, we sort of reoriented the firm. We said, you know, what does this really want to be? Um, and we figured that um, we mainly um, Michael Harrison, Ray Brown, who's the is the managing director at the moment, and myself um, in the Sydney practice, we decided we wanted to do really good design work. We wanted to lift the design side of the practice. Um, and so we um, we um, worked on that very hard. We employed people who were more design oriented. We encouraged and we set up systems that um, d had design review systems and things that brought out the best best work. And it was a a no a no ego type place. And so we deliberately consciously lifted the design side of the practice. And so architectus over the last 10 years or so, particularly the last five or six years, become quite a, a major player. Um, we're a bit of a front of mind firm now. And uh, so I think we've done a fairly good job of tra transitioning the firm um, to a top tier firm with a good design culture. One of the things there was that we always looked for the opportunity to work with overseas firms. Like in my China work, we were always, the design gurus were going in, we we're working for the local Institute, and so we were the the design kings. But in terms of some of the projects we took on in Sydney, um, we uh, we jumped at the opportunity to work with named, you know, good quality overseas firms. Whereas there were some other other competitors in the Sydney environment who wanted to maintain their own identity and didn't look for that sort of opportunity. But we thought we could learn from that and become better ourselves. And so we've done a lot of collaborations and won projects because we've formed good teams. And um, I think from that, I've I've done quite a number of those sort of collaborative projects. So I've got a lot out of that. Um, and and probably in in terms of what I've given, I, I guess um, Ray's very good architect and he's strong on design, particularly in the commercial area. Um, Michael's very good on the um, planning and urban design sort of side and the integration into architecture. For myself, it's, I'm probably more of a good all rounder. You know, I've got that design sensibility. Uh, projects that I used to do and uh, enjoyed doing and probably did well is the, the broader scale, master planning, um, large thinking, urban design interface sort of projects rather than the nitty-gritty design of architecture. Um, I've probably been a fairly strong 
stability in the firm in terms of um, the HR and the, the management systems. Uh, everybody used to come to me to review contracts and so I became more of a delivery sort of guy, um, dependable sort of delivery guy and, and uh, a bit of a mentor to a lot of the younger staff. Uh, I think it's reasonable to say that. You haven't really left though, have you? You're, you're still doing stuff for, for architects, aren't you? Uh, well, I was supposed to retire in March last year. Supposed I, to retire? Yeah, and I gave them two years' notice um, because I'm, I was the oldest um, director. Um, we've got um, three directors in Melbourne um, and three directors in Sydney. And I gave them, we, we were sitting around in a board meeting and strategizing, and we talked about, well, how are we going to morph the firm? We've got a lot of good um, people who, terrific um, principals who used to be associate directors, and we gave them the opportunity to, to buy in as shareholders um, and become renamed as principals. So uh, we did that I don't know, five or six years ago, and we got a really fantastic group of guys in Sydney, Melbourne, and, and Adelaide. And um, uh, I was uh, so we're sitting around the board meeting and strategizing, and, and uh, we said, oh, "We've got to evolve this firm. We've got to have a plan for that." And I said, "Well, I'm the oldest director. I'll I'll start off. How about I? This is in 2014. I'll give you uh, two years' notice, um, and uh, I'll be out of here in you know, 2017, I think." It was whatever it was. Mm -hmm. um, that came up and of course it was an incredibly busy time. We had so many staff um, from that GFC, post-GFC period, we got down to about 40 people. Um, but we built the firm up to, you know, in Sydney, 150, 160 people, something like that. Um, so uh, uh, I gave them the date last year and uh, 17, we were really, really busy and the board said to me, look, Ross, could you just keep working for another year? Um, Sure, you've, we've got this commitment together, but um, and it suits us and suits you. But we're really busy in these projects you're doing. Could you see them through further? There were more projects; a number of projects were in construction. Um, so I agreed to another year, and then um, March this year came around. And <laughs> a couple of weeks before that, um, Barry Aaron's our CLO, is a great guy. We sat down for a lunch, and he said, uh, um, "Well, the date's coming up in a couple of weeks. You want to stay on?" And I said, "No, not really." He said, "Oh, I think we're okay." And then. And about a week out, he said, oh, look, you know, I was doing the ca Capital Metro projects. It's the new light rail right. project in Canberra. Looked like it was. It's a quite a challenging project, a great project, um, but challenging. He said, oh, could you do a couple of days till the end of June when the construction's more advanced? So I agreed to do two days a week from March to end of June. But now I'm basically out. I'm, I'm retired. We had a staff function, which was incredibly wonderful at the end of June. Um, went off to dinner with all the directors and the principals and I think they made it uh, a, a, a memorable occasion for me. Um, it's quite genuine, qu quite emotional and touching and um, in, in, in one way maybe it was uh, done that way so to make sure I, I didn't come back because <laughs> it was so final. <laughs> but look, um, they call me up and I'm, I'm, it's a part of the, I'm part of the culture there. Mm -hmm. I have, have been or, or was um, and now um, I look forward to um, giving them advice if they call me up it's no problem because uh, it's a part of my my being you know 31 years there and I respect the people there Ray and and Michael so much um, I'm quite happy to give them an opinion or some information if it if it's required Awards, I've noticed. Mm -hmm. um, in in terms of, uh, it's probably it, 
maybe a slightly unfair question, but mm. out of interest, if you were to say which award meant the most to you, awards perhaps, mm. what would you say? Well, I'd say first thing, rather than concentrating on me, is that architecture is very much a team game. It's very much to do with collaboration, particularly in a firm like ours where we've got an integrated design offering of architecture and planning and urban design. Um, so um, you can't do these sorts of projects that Architectus does. I mean, they're much more, much larger these days um, and they're much more complex and challenging than they used to be. You know, when we were smaller, we did smaller projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're in the sort of the, the big game now, you know, with infrastructure projects and high-profile um, commercial projects. So they always take a team, you know, the Capital Metro project, you know, we had 20 people on at some stage, stages. Um, some of the projects I did in China, we had 15 people working on them in the Sydney office. So they're very much, um, it's a shared sort of thing. And sure, the firm earns awards um, and some of those I've been personally involved with, but I'd rather sort of spread the spread the joy and, and the appreciation because... Um, it's amazing how if you respect people and communicate with them and share information with them as you're going through a project, even if you get into hard times at, at certain points, um, people will give an, um, an amazing amount to you and to the firm if they feel um, like their their input has been appreciated and respected. Um, even if it's a junior person, whatever their role is, if they feel that they've been recognised, um, they lift and they give huge amount of time, commitment and stuff. So it's very much a shared, a shared thing. Some of the awards, probably some of the ones that even some of my compatriots at Architectus don't know too much about, but we did win some very, very good competitions in China. Mm-hmm. I, saw, I saw that actually. The first project I did, we went over there in 2000, March 5th, 2000, and uh, it was a large residential scheme and we were asked to, um, to design about 200 apartments on a site. And uh, I remember we thought, oh, that's about the biggest project that Travis McEwen's ever done, you know. It's amazing. We went over there. We, we organised a fee to r- review this master plan and, and do some design work on these 200 units. But when we turned up, they, they said, oh, well, it's 27 hectares and it's about 2,000 apartments. And um, could, you, uh, could you work on the whole, the whole project rather than what we've been talking to you about? It's the first time we'd ever been to China. Richard Travis and I and a young guy went. And um, we uh, we said, oh, yeah, okay. I think we'd arrived, it was a plane delay, we'd arrived at five in the morning on a Monday, went to the site at 10 o'clock on Monday, and then the, we met the client, talked about the project, and he said, yeah, you're going to do the 27 hectares. And he said, oh, he was in his hotel that he owned, you know, and he had all his businesses. And he said, oh, tomorrow um, you're going to give a presentation um, to the governor of the district, um, there's 10 districts mm. in, in Shanghai. There's five in, in the city and five outside the city. So there's one of the external pr- provinces. He said, um, you're going to do a presentation tomorrow at 1 o'clock in my hotel to the, pr- to the governor, the dire- deputy governor, the, the head of planning, and about 50 government officials from all the departments in the government in that province, <laughs> in that wow. district. And we're sort of like, bloody hell. You know? yeah. So, uh, of course, you know, we stayed up all night. We, I did this design did one drawing of it and then overdrew it. We photographed it on the driveway as soon as the sun came up, did a presentation and ch- translated it into Chinese and uh, and gave this presentation. That project got built over about a four-year period in stages, um, 2,000 apartments, a school, 
aged care facilities, a three-hectare park, all that sort of stuff. That first project, we won four national awards, you know, for um, architecture, um, for residential, for landscape and uh, environmental. So um, it was a good start in our China work um, as a prototype for the way we could approach projects, but also in terms of maintaining... Uh, setting up, establishing a quality of, of approach. And, uh, you know, it was really good. So some of that China work, we won other uh, um, projects in competitions and I think they were all very satisfying. But the people back here didn't always, n you know, understand why they were good because it was a different culture, a different sort of approach. <laughs> today, um, either here or overseas, yeah. um, and you were able to say, okay, I, I'll pick you know, X, Y, and Z, or mm. A, B, and C, whatever, what would you pick? I think it's a great question, um, Branko, because, you know, I've, I've done a lot of different types of projects over time, um, but a type of project that I really found satisfying, when I was working at Mitchell Jurgler, I was a, a project leader on... Um, on a, it was an extension to at Princeton University, which is one of the two or three mm. most beautiful um, campuses in the United States, um, heritage, wonderful landscape, beautiful old buildings. And um, the, the office got the extension to the um, Princeton University Art Museum, and Aldo did the design. He was in the New York office, running the New York office, and Mitchell um, ran the Philadelphia office, which was the regional office. And I was given the job of seeing it through. Um, I just really loved doing that art museum. It, it was not just a gallery; it was a museum as well. So we r we did the new wing, and then we went back and we went back in and refurbished um, all the exhibition work in the existing building, um, which was mostly the museum. And I got a real joy out of doing that because it was not just straight commercial architecture or residential. It was a com a, a public building in, in a university, wonderful university campus. So that type of project. I think it was really nice. I mean, architectus, um, uh, we, we we did GOMA up in, in Brisbane, which was an international competition. Um, so we've got ongoing experience there. And, of course, we're doing, with SANA, we're doing the, um, we won the um, competition with SANA for New South Wales Art Gallery Extensions, which are, um, which are just about to proceed. You know, we're documenting that at the moment. So I think, uh, and, and when I was, sorry, when I was in um, doing China work, we did a biggest um, built projects I did was a um, competition we got for uh, Ma Shan, which is probably about four hours on the train from Shanghai mm -hmm. near Wuhu, and um, that had a government offices, it had a, a, city, um, a city art gallery museum, a, a city uh, library and a city opera house, which are full proscenium arch, 1,200-seat mm -hmm. theatre. So I got the opportunity on that project to work on the museum there, and I I guess museum, art gallery sort of projects would be, if, you know, you've asked me the question, what would I like to work on? It would be in that sort of area. It, it, there's, it, there's a nice link between architecture and and art. And um, fa my, my favourite building I've ever been to, and I've travelled a lot, was when I lived in the States. I went to um, the Kimball Art Museum in, in Fort Worth mm -hmm. in Texas. And uh, I went at University of Pennsylvania was... Um, 
some people listening to this might know was the university where Lou Kahn taught, um, a famous, wonderful architect and wonderful teacher. And unfortunately, he passed away a couple of years before I went to the to the school. But um, his thinking and his uh, attitude to um, materials and to light and space was um, a philosophy that went right through the teaching of the school. So I, I made a point of going to a, quite a few of these buildings, but that Fort Worth uh, project, um, the Kimball Museum, um, I just went into that and the, the question was, should the architecture be predominant as a thing in itself or should the art be predominant? But what Lucan achieved in that beautiful building was that balance between you walking in the building feeling the wonderful soft indirect light coming down through skylights, wonderful proportion spaces, lovely uh, contrast of warm timber and raw concrete. But all of that architecture, nice as it was, was in harmony and balance with the art. So it didn't, as an architectural thing, overpower the, the art, but the art wasn't powerful and mm -hmm. the, the building okay. was nothing. It was this wonderful thing where they were both working together. I mean, if you go to the swing of the National Gallery in Washington, you you know, you've got the I.M. Pay space and it's all powerful and, and it's like, well, where's the art? And then you go off through a door and there's little rooms that could be anywhere. Mm. Um, so that's the the opposite type of approach. So I, I really like Lucan and I like that building. And uh, that's, to me, the ultimate um, art architecture experience. Okay. I want to talk about firms. Mm. Do firms these days have it? Harder than they used to, and uh, there seems to be a almost a smorgasbord of, of projects, especially in New South Wales. Mm, I mean, at the moment, yeah, mm. yeah, you know, you could, you, you could, you know, you. I, I don't think there are enough sticks you could, you could, you could, you have to poke mm. how many projects are going on. Mm. But in terms of firms themselves, I mean, you mentioned the other the the evolution of architectures. Mm. You, you, you know, do firms have it harder these days? Or, well, or, or, or no, or well, no am, yeah. am I wrong? Well, I guess there's two parts to that. One one is, in, in 2018, is it harder than any other time? And the answer is no. I mean, there's lots of work on um, the economy in New South Wales. It's very, very strong. Yeah. There's a lot of infrastructure work. There's a lot of lovely projects in the public realm uh, coming up. There's a lot of good city projects. Um, you know, we've got a, a very nice time. Um, you know, we set up projects or programs to... Um, to uh, workshop um, with recent graduates who were going to go and uh, and do their professional registration exams, for instance. So we were trying to think all the time of how we could help them be get better architects and better people, um, which would ultimately, in the longer term, make our office and make architectures a stronger place. So um, I think that's a very important thing for all um, pr practices, particularly the middle to large practices, to set up um, situations where people could see a pathway to the future for them, <coughs> to, reach, to reach the level that they felt that they could get to, and to challenge them to go beyond what they naturally thought they could do. Um, we, we at Architectus did a lot of um, uh, Friday night presentations of projects, um, Monday morning staff meeting presentation quick, and we would get the junior staff to present the project rather mm -hmm. than the associate or the director or the project leader would say okay the juniors are involved in the project we're going to give you three minutes or four minutes do a quick presentation so they have to get up there they have to practice they have to 
um, lift their presentation skills and things. So there's all sorts of different things right through the practice where you could um, contribute to the development of each individual. I mean, from my point of view, uh, just as being an observer, would you say that the architect has almost come or been thrust out of the shadows over, over that time from when you started to now? To raise the profile? I mean, as profile, yeah. yeah. I mean, architects, um, say in the, you know, when I started in the um, late 60s, um, probably in the general society, people didn't know who the good architects of Sydney were. You know, you had Pedalthorpe Walker, you know, any major high rise in the city was done by, you know, PVW. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, really, architects weren't names, they weren't stars, they weren't mm-hmm. right up there. Mm-hmm. Today, um, they sort of are, uh, which I think is a good thing, um, as long as you don't let it go to your ego. And, we, you know, there's probably a couple of people in Sydney we could we could talk about, which we won't, but, you know, who, <laughs> who are a little bit more, you know, like the limelight. And sure. Uh, I mean, architects are generally wonderful presenters, aren't mm, they? And they certainly are. And you've probably gone to a couple of um, Institute of Architect talks where you sort of go, wow, that guy's really in, in love with himself or he's in love with his work and he can't stop talking. Um I think there's a there's room for that, mm-hmm. but um, but there's also a lot of really good architecture being done where the people are communicative and convey the ideas, but they're not showmen. Um, it's uh, um, something we've learned at Architectus. We we aren't um, we aren't in that showman league, but we definitely have had to improve our presentation and our delivery skills uh, to win projects and to win competitions. It's not good enough just to get good ideas. It's important to convey them to a client, particularly if it's a design competition situation, to convey what's behind, what's the depth of the thought behind an idea. It's very important, and uh, we've got better at it. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's, let's talk about learning. Let's, let's say I'm learning and teaching. Let's say I'm yeah. starting off as an architect. Mm. What would be the main advice that you would give me? Beyond anything else, you've got to have a passion to want to do it. Um, if you talk to anyone who's an architect, you'll learn that um, you're going to do long hours. You're going to do mm-hmm. a long course at university, mm-hmm. quite um, demanding hours, much more than if your mate's doing arts or engineering or something. Mm-hmm. You do your stuff and you go home. You, you, you've got to be prepared to live it and you've got to have a passion for it. Um, you've got to have some s- a pretty broad sense of skills. You've got to be a good communicator. You've definitely got to be a good um, team person. Um, but you're not going to get paid mega bucks. <laughs> Sometimes there's going to be situations in that cycle thing where a lot of people get let go or you get yeah. you get 10 or 20% of your salary cut back to survive. And we've been through all that sort of stuff. Um, and as directors of architectures, at one stage, we the directors took no salary to, to keep the office going. And there's been... Other firms of good mates of mine who um, you know did nine day fortnights, you know four day weeks, three day weeks. Mm-hmm. So there are going to be times when it's tough. So I think you've really got to um, you really got to have a passion and a drive to want to do it. I think if you haven't uh, and you've got you've got to be interested in creative skills. Um, even if you're a team member 
who's more the pragmatic type, you know, really doing the drawing rather than the, the front end. Design goes through everything. If you're a good design firm, a good architecture firm, it's not a matter of, oh, here's one guy over here doing sketches and he's going to hand them across. Everybody has got to un have a good design sensibility. Everybody on everything they're doing, whether it's a junior doing, you know, wall elevations or whatever, we've all got to be conscious that it's a design process and that goes right down into the details. And um, that's where you get good buildings, not just the concept, but right down, right down into the depth of the documentation. And specifications are, I mean, everybody doesn't talk about them, but mm. uh, obviously you know, I was into contracts and, and into specifications and stuff and a couple of words here and there and thought in you know, a specification can mean a, a huge contribution to um, uh, the delivery of a quality project as well. Mm-hmm. So, let's talk about learning. Let's say I'm learning and teaching. Let's say I'm yes. starting off as an architect. Hmm. What would be the main advice that you'd give me? Beyond anything else, you've got to have a passion to want to do it. Um, if you talk to anyone who's an architect, you'll learn that um, you're going to do long hours. You're going to do mm -hmm. a long course at university, mm -hmm. quite... Um, demanding hours, much more than if your mate's doing arts or engineering or something, mm -hmm. you do your stuff and you go home. You, you, you've got to be prepared to live it and you've got to have a passion for it. Um, you've got to have some, some, a pretty broad sense of skills and you've got to be a good communicator. You've definitely got to be a good um, team person. Um, but you're not going to get paid megabucks. <laughs> Sometimes there's going to be situations in that cycle thing where a lot of people get let go or you get yeah. you get 10 or 20 percent of your salary cut back to survive and we've been through all that sort of stuff um and as directors of architectures at one stage we the directors took no salary just to keep the office going and there's been other firms some good mates of mine who um you know did nine day fortnights you know four day weeks three day weeks mm -hmm. so there are going to be times when it's tough so i think you've really got to um you really got to have a passion and a drive to want to do it. I think if you haven't, uh, and you've got you've got to be interested in creative skills. Um, even if you're a team member who's more the pragmatic type, you know, really doing the drawing rather than the the front end. Design goes through everything. If you're a good design firm, a good architecture firm, it's not a matter of oh, here's one guy over here doing sketches and he's going to hand them across. Everybody has got to un have a good design sensibility. Everybody on everything they're doing, whether it's a junior doing, you know, wall elevations or whatever, we've all got to be conscious that it's a design process and that goes right down into the details. And um, that's where you get good buildings, not just the concept, but right down, right down into the depth of the documentation. And specifications are, I mean, everybody doesn't talk about them, but mm. uh, obviously, you know, I was into contracts and, and into specifications and stuff and couple of words here and there and thought in you know, a specification can mean a, a huge contribution to um, uh, the delivery of a quality project as well. Mm -hmm. You've been listening to Talking Architecture and Design. My name is Brian Kamalinik and we've been talking with Ross Stiles, the recently retired Director of Architectus. Until next time, see you again. <laughs>